guys, welcome to church. I'm up here doing some last minute uh, multi-tracks, pro presenter, Ableton editing. Hey, coming up July 27th at 6.30 p.m., we have a jam night. Uh, bring your instruments, bring your voice. I'll have some chord charts and we'll play and sing along. That's going to be a great time. That's Wednesday, July 27th at 6.30. The Wednesday after that, August 3rd, we'll have our family fun night from 5.30 to 8 p.m. Hey guys, listen, we really need some, uh, some volunteers to pull that off. If you can help set up for that event, that would be great. That's August 3rd, uh, starting at 5. We'll have signups on the app coming soon. Speaking of the app, download it. If you want to get involved with any of our stuff going on here at the church, that's a great app to have. Save it to your home screen, all that good stuff. With all that being said, you guys ready? Let's get ready for church. Woo! All right, welcome to those of you joining us online. We're getting ready to go here. We're excited to have you with us. Um, worship has been awesome, and it'll be even better now that you're with us, so get ready for that. And then I'm talking today about the mammon trap. It's kind of a little bridge message between the fruit of the Spirit and the fight that we're going to start. So get ready. Here we go. Woo! Good morning, everyone. It's great to see your faces and hear your voices. I hope you're enjoying some coffee. It's good coffee. Did you have some? I, I had a cup earlier. I'm, lo- I'm going to have one uh, after this set. You like plan them out when you're going to have Yeah, them. you got to time it. Nice. Nice. Or you run into issues on the stage if you have a coffee at the wrong time. Yeah, we don't need to know about that. Yeah. <laughs> vocal, vocal cords. Vo- vocal yes. issues. Ah. Yes. <laughs> right. yeah. That's yeah, totally what you meant. Uh, yes. Welcome to the vineyard. <laughs> Home of the overshare. Hey guys, I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. In case you didn't know yet, we are going to start things off with communion. Pastor Barry is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And uh, Pastor Barry's wife, Renee, is up here helping us out with worship today. Super excited whenever they can join us. After worship, Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We are doing a little bridge um, bridge message, ser- sermon. I almost said sermage. Sermage? Message. Yeah, that's not quite the word uh, yeah, we're looking message, for. A message. bridge message. Yeah. What do we call that? A Freudian slip where you think of two things and then they Whatever. Combine. Anyways, yeah. it's bet- we're going to be between the fruit of the spirit and the fight. So we're going to be talking about the mammon trap today. If you are intrigued, stick around. Um, Before we get into any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we're just so thankful for your presence and that we can come together corporately and worship you. Papa, we're here to tell about the great things that you have done and to praise you for the great things that you are going to do. Papa, help us set our hearts, our heart posture into one of receiving. Papa, we know that you have so much for us to learn today. We want to receive it so that it can impact us and change us and mold us to be more like you. 
help us to draw closer to you, God. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, the protector of all who trust in you and without whom nothing is strong or holy, increase and multiply your mercy upon us so that with you as our ruler and guide, we may pass through the things which are temporal and fix our eyes on things eternal. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Pastor Barry. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last supper, the Passover celebration, the cup of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance or remembrance that we call communion of the Lord's table of the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. So as his friends gathering this morning, we partake of this meal, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. We want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So over here on this table on the side of the sanctuary are the elements, communion, the bread, the cup, the body and blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship in song this morning, you feel led by the Spirit, please come and partake and remember and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Barry. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together. I'd encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst here this morning. We'll see the words pop up on the screen, so sing along. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Anything is possible. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your life. There is
Hallelujah. We love you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence, God. You're so faithful to us. You're so true. Lord, we love you. It's you we worship. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. Oh, you made it. I'm so glad. Yay. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so glad. Okay. So today's Bible story, guys, true Bible story. Hi, Tyler. Comes from the book of 1 Samuel 17. And we find King Saul there with his armies, right? And they're going to fight their enemies, the Philistines. And King Saul has camped his army on one hill. And then opposite them are the Philistines on another hill. And there's a valley between them. And guess what, guys? The Philistines have an amazing warrior with them, right? And he is nine feet, nine inches tall. Who do you think it is? Uh, I forget. Goliath. I, I forget. It is. It is Goliath, right? And he's so big and he's really mean. And he's taunting God's people, right? Saying, you guys can't fight me, right? But send one of your fighters to fight against me and I will get them, right? So the people become afraid, Then David comes to bring food to his brothers. He has three older brothers who are in the Israelite army. And he comes and gives them food. And then he hears, right, that Goliath is making fun of God's people, right? So he asks, who is this man that comes against the army of the Lord, right? And they're like, oh, he's a mean guy, and we're scared of him. And he realizes that, and he says that even though he's young, he's going to volunteer to fight Goliath. And everybody's like, you're crazy. You're just a little boy, right? And King Saul is like, oh, ma'am. Yeah, King Saul is like, um, you are too young. You can't even fit in our armor. How are you going to be protected? And David reminds him, right, The Lord, our God will protect me. So King Saul lets David go ahead and fight Goliath. But David can't use a sword or any of the armors or anything that they have because he's young, right? So he goes to the stream and he finds five stones. It says they were smooth stones and he has a sling, right? And he goes towards Goliath. And when Goliath sees him, guess what happens, guys? He laughs. He said, ha, 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 you can't hurt me. You're a little boy, right? And then David runs towards Goliath, right? And he takes the stone and he flings it. He slings, thank you. He, He hits Goliath, right, with the stone. And guess where it hits him? Who knows? Where does it hit him? Good job, right? Right on the forehead. And what what do you think happened to Goliath? He fell down, down, right? Yes. 
And then God's people were able to drive away the Philistines from their land. My little ones, God's, yeah, I know. It was amazing because God was with him. No, one stone, one time, that's it. It was done, right? But see, God's people, you have the book? That's a good one, right? Yeah. So God's people were afraid of this giant little ones. But David was there to remind them, no matter the size of any problems that we have, right? God is on our side. And he said that he's going to fight the battle for us, right? That the battle is his. So we don't want to ever forget that. And also David reminds us of Jesus, right? Because Jesus saves us from our greatest enemies. Do you know what our greatest enemies are? Sin, very good, and death, right? So Jesus is our hero who saves us, right? So that we can live with him forever. Isn't that awesome? So good, right? Okay, so you guys ready to say the Bible verse with me? Raise your hand if you're ready to say the Bible verse. Raise your hand. Oh, good job. Wow, good job. All right, ready? First Samuel seventeen forty-five. First Samuel seventeen forty-five. Good. David said to the, to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. Excellent job, everyone. So good. Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Pastor Jordine is going to pray for all the kids, and then they can head off to Children's Church. All right, guys, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, okay, and and talk to the Lord. Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord God, that you love the children, Lord God, that, Father, you protect them and that you guide them, Lord God. And, Father, I pray that they will know no matter the troubles, Father, in front of them, Lord, that they be reminded that you can make them strong, Lord God, to overcome them, Lord. In Jesus' name, what do we say, guys? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good job. Go have fun. You know, that's a great story. And in our next series, we're going to be looking at spiritual battle. And we'll talk about where those giants actually came from. But, you know, there's a, there's a thought, though, because one of the kids asked, why did he pick up five stones when he only needed one? Do you know Goliath had four brothers? And David's men will take care of all those four other giants, too, in their life. So it's very cool. There's a lot of this stuff going on. Very cool stuff. Anyway, that's not today's message. Extra. Aw. Welcome to the Vineyard. So glad to have you with us today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have you with us, tuning in. And uh, if this is your first time here, that code that just popped up there on the screen is for you. If you were to point your smart device at that code with the camera on, a link will pop up. Follow that link to our digital connect card. That will ask for your name, phone number, email address. And over the next five or six weeks, we will send you a series of texts and emails welcoming you to the church, giving us, uh, giving you some information about the church, asking you a few questions. We also have 
gifts for all the first-time guests back at guest services. If you didn't get one on your way in, stop by on your way out, and uh, they would be happy to give you one. We also, at this point in our service, when we're together, we pray for our neighbors. Prayer is really, in a, prayer is where everything starts. It's like the most important thing. It's not a last thing. It's a first thing. And we pray for our neighbors. And our, my, our hope has been, over a long period of time, to encourage you to pray for, as you're driving into your neighborhood, as you're driving out of your neighborhood, as you're walking around, pray for, specifically pray for your neighbors. Just take a moment, lift them up to the Lord, and then when we gather corporately, we do that. And we also do that with all the people that are joining us online, which is a lot, praying for your neighbors too. So think about one or two of your neighbors, and let's just go before the Lord. Papa, we pray for our neighbors. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, and that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. God, help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Keep it up. That makes the difference. Prayer. Oof. Powerful. And uh, we'll be talking about that more in our next series, too. So, uh, I want to do a message today called The Mammon Trap. And this is kind of a bridge between that last series we did on the fruit of the Spirit and where we're heading in the spiritual battle. It's just kind of a peek into some stuff that's going on. And we did it this way on purpose. You need to know and operate in the fruit of the Spirit. When we called that throughout that last series, the currency of the kingdom, it's what makes a difference, all right? And the enemy hates it because he can't manufacture it. So he he doesn't want you. He wants you living in something completely different. But we're not be those who are um, yielded to Holy Spirit, and this fruit is happening in our lives and impacting the world all around us, that that as believers, Holy Spirit lives in us. The resurrection power is available to us to change us and help us and to equip us for living this life and for also being aware of the battle that we're in and engaging it properly. And so we, we're going to open up in that next series why there's a spiritual battle, what's going on, how, what, what does it even mean? And uh, today I just sort of want to start by, as we look at mammon, What's happened is culturally we sort of have begun to dismiss this, this evil realm. And Paul calls it, you know, powers, principalities, rulers. It's a definite thing. We've begun to dismiss it as not being real because we're so smart now and uh, we've evolved well past that. And, and the enemy loves that and hides behind it. And is, listen, we face an intelligent evil and you need to be aware of that. And too often we're not. And he's insidious and he's sneaky and, and the whole group of them. And they get behind things and they try and get you to focus. Instead of aiming the battle at them, you focus it on people instead who are just caught. They're, the, they're our mission. And we forget that we're here to help them. People, the, the, all those people come to know Jesus. And we start making them the enemy when they're not. It's what's behind them. And so we want to expose that in all sorts of situations that are going on. And I just thought this would be a good place to start talking about mammon and what that looks like. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in a moment, but I better do the bad jokes. <laughs> so this one, I, they got this last night. I didn't, I mustn't have done it well. This is a thought more than a bad joke. Just something for you to think about. Shouldn't the roof of your mouth actually be called the ceiling? <laughs> yeah. Duh. 
that's the, yeah. I had to explain it at the end of service last night too. But anyway, I'm not going <laughs> to. So then I tried to tell a joke last, and I forgot it in the middle of it because I got caught up in the story. But I'm going to try it again with you. Maybe it'll go better. Lord have mercy. So, so the first part was everything. Why we were gone in May, we actually went and visited a store called Aldi. A L D I. It's a grocery Aldi. store. We uh, love grocery stores. We like you. So anyway, I wasn't that impressed. Sorry if you love Aldi or if, you know, but whatever. But I wasn't all that impressed, and that's just me. And you know, some people love it. And it was little things like when you went to get a shopping cart, you had to put a quarter in it. I get why they do it. But I was like, seriously? And then they didn't give you bags at the end and whatever. I get that there's a lot of reasons for things. But anyway, it was eh. But while I was there, I did buy a Humpty Dumpty toy. You did? I did. Wow. And it had Aldi King's horses and Aldi King's men. You did it. You didn't forget the line. Yay. Well, last time I couldn't remember the punchline and couldn't remember the setup. Last, I got a pair. I had several up there. My dog's very smart, Mia. You've heard about her? I know she is. I asked my dog, Mia, what's two minus two? She said nothing. <laughs> she is a smart dog. She's very I would smart. Give her that. Yes, she's a good, smart dog. Okay, for those of you that are visitors, I apologize for the joke session of this. And for those of you that are family, I apologize for the joke. <laughs> She has to apologize for me a lot, so. It's a bit codependent, but we'll just move right along. Let's pray, shall we, before we read the word together? Papa, thank you, Lord, for being here, Father, as we gather together to worship you and to dig deeper into your word. Father, I pray that those who came with heavy burdens would be made lighter today. I pray those that are filled with joy, it would spill over onto everybody around them. And Father, I pray that your blessing would go before us today as we read your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? This is out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 24, and this is the New King James Version. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. All the king's horses and all the king's men. I actually just, I'm not going to, but I... The two best sermons I've ever heard in my life, uh, one was at a, uh, oh, a pastor's meeting years and years ago, and it was Jack Hayford, and Promise Keeper's meeting, and while he was speaking, I actually thought Jesus was coming back. This would have been, I did, it was that. The other one was a guy named Dr. Charles Montgomery, and uh, that was some years ago. And if you, I don't know if it's on, it might be on YouTube somewhere. He did a message about Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> best, uh, just the most amazing message anyway. I don't know, that just hit my brain. This will not be one of those two for you. And uh, <laughs> that's okay. I did, however, uh, the, the little different. So it's, I, I actually took some time a month ago and made these slides in order to present this. So this won't be for the whole series, these slides, because they're a lot of work. But I think it's helpful in uh, what I wanted to present today. And, and so uh, many of you, I know, maybe have not even heard Mammon before. Uh, and uh, it's because we've 
translated it out of most of the newer translations, and it's okay that they, I, I get, you know, that translations are what they are and they're, they're done for reasons. And, um, but in the King James and the New King James, it says you cannot serve God and mammon, which is a great, uh, better translation than, than making it money. The two are related, but they're different. And what you need to understand is that mammon is not just money. Mammon is a a force. Mammon is a power. Paul calls those things, those uh, powers, principalities, rulers, all, and he says it throughout. That's what mammon is. It's something that uh, is vying for God's position in your life. Mammon uses money to get your worship off of God and onto money. Mammon uses money to try and get you to, to, to sort of think that, that money is where your security comes from. Money is where uh, your, your position comes from. Money is where your pleasure comes from. Money is securities, all those things. And we look, we start looking to money for those things instead of to the true source of those things, which is God. God is the source of all those things in your life. Power, position, money, pleasure, all the, not money, but pleasure, uh, all those things that matter. Freedom. God is a source. We're to worship God. And yet, what's happened is it's been sidetracked. And many people, believers and all, many people have begun to worship money instead of worshiping God. And that's what uh, we can't do. Jesus is saying, you can't do both. You can't serve God and mammon. You, your worship needs to be with God. So, so start by understanding that behind money, there's, there's this other sort of thing. There's a force. God, what I want you to see is behind just about everything is a force like that, is a power like that, 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 that got introduced and that we've been dealing with ever since, but often tries to hide to make you think it's not real. And yet, extremely real in every area. So mammon, like I said, it wants worship, and it's trying to steal from God that which belongs to God. And I just wanted to bring the two verses up. So New King James, you cannot serve God and mammon. NIV, you can't serve both God and money. That's how most of you have read it. And this is a fine translation. It's just missing what's behind it. And I think that's part of the insidiousness is that we have... We have ton, uh, we've tended to think that this spiritual evil stuff isn't real because we've evolved so far and we're so smart now and we know so much that it can't be what they were trying to say. When in fact, they're very real and this is exactly what the biblical writers are trying to teach us and tell us and it hasn't changed. And so we need to be aware of this, that mammon is this real thing. Mammon uses money. Now, money is not evil. And I hear people say all the time, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. And that is not what the Bible says. And, and so this is what the Bible actually says. What does it say? The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That's, that's very, very different. Those two statements are very different. Understand, too, the enemy knows Scripture and often says it and omits what's important, twists it. We've seen that all over the place. And it happens, and if you're not careful, you can get something like that lodged in in the wrong way. Money isn't it. Money is neutral in and of itself. Money can be used for good. Money can be used for evil. It's just kind of a tool, all right, that, that we operate on uh, in, in our world, in our culture, in the kingdom. Fruit of the Spirit is a currency. But we got to operate here in this world, and it happens to be money that we engage with. But some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money, the worship of money, which is ultimately to mammon, has, has ruined people and caused them to wander away. So this is a very real thing that we're dealing with, this mammon trap that we have going on. 
Now, and this might be the most important thing that I'm going to say, I think, that I want you to think about this week. How you handle money reveals your heart. This is a big deal. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a hard thing. Also, we're going to spend some time next week, in the next couple of weeks. When you read heaven, you need to not think of something. I know they're millions of miles away. Heaven is, is sort of God's space, if you would, but God wants that connected with earth space. There's a connection that we live in, and, and we, we want to make sure that we read a difference. So otherwise, people go, oh, we're, we're talking about millions. We're not. There's a connection. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and so when I said that, how you handle money reveals your heart. Here's what you, God already knows your heart. It's not the issue. How you handle money reveals your heart to you. And that's a way different thing. And that's why it needs to be considered. It's just what's going on. So let's take a look. And uh, I tried to make this practical so you can see the trap. And then pray through it and figure it out. So what's there first? That is 10 blocks of 10. Uh, if, you, if you want to count, you can send so many you already have to check. But that's 10 blocks of 10. So that's 100. So think of it as 10 blocks of t- 10%, 10 times, 100%. And it represents, for this discussion, your total weekly, biweekly, monthly, whatever it happens to be in your life, your income, money that comes in. Because we're, we're, it is a talk about money, mammon behind it, but money in particular. And this is uh, what it looks like. And that's what's real, 100%. You, you can't, you, that's what you get, 100%. Whatever it is, that's what it is, okay? All right, so Mammon operates in different ways over different times and in different places all over the world. He operates differently here in our country and in our culture than he does in many, many places. But what's happening now, let me give you part of the trap, and you'll see it, I think, is what happens is, uh, and we can tie this back into the 50s, this particular trap, 1950s, early night, like 52, you could go Google fact check me if you want, uh, they introduced the first credit card that took off with any popularity, it was the Diners Club card. And uh, some of you might still know about Diners Club. It's still around, I guess. But anyway, and it was uh, it was designed initially just for restaurants, and you could get one and you could take it to a restaurant rather than give cash. But you always settled it up at the end of the month. There wasn't run-on balances. You set, you got you used it, but end of the month you paid it in full. That was the deal. Uh, then in the late fifties, nineteen fifty-eight, somewhere in there, American Express came out with their own card, which began to take off. And forever, American Express was the same way. Balance end of the month, paid off. Okay, so not that's not a big deal. But in there, and like the enemy's got long game, and he's insidious, he'll lay things in there for a while. Eventually what happened was credit card people began to say, yeah, you know what, you don't have to pay us off. We'll just charge you a little interest, and you can run a balance. And people are like, ooh, that's nice. And what happens is, over time, the whole culture bought into it, and people started living past this 100 into this fake area, 110, 120%. And the problem is that that whole area is part of the trap. So the 100 is real. 
That's not, it's not, it's pretend, it's fake. It, I mean, it has an impact, but we're trying to live on money that we, we don't really have, and we get caught in this, and the whole mentality of our culture changed, and all of a sudden, it was good. That's how, well, That was a win. If you could get something and put it on payments, then you could have whatever you wanted. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago or so on that series, I talked about goodness as one of the fruits of the Spirit, and we used as an example in there, doing the next right thing, we looked at Jesus facing temptation. And I said to you, and I will say this often, the enemy has three tricks, and they're successful, so he doesn't change. Uh, they worked at the fall. They didn't work on Jesus, but that's like it. And then they work successfully over well. And those three things are, he goes after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Over and over and over and over again. See him fall, see with Jesus, same three things. Okay. Well, you need to be listening for the enemy's voice, because that's what happens in this trap. How does he go? Lust of the flesh. Huh. I think I would really like to have whatever that is. I think that would be good. And and then if it's sparkly, it's even worse. Whew, look at that. Would you look at that? Oh, I think I want that. And then Mammon says, but you you know, and you go, Well, I can't afford that. Mammon said, Don't worry about it. I got you. You deserve that. Everybody else has it. You should have it. Aren't you as good as everybody else? And all of a sudden, we bought into this whole thing. Uh, in America, the average credit card debt is $6,000 plus, but that doesn't include other store things, personal loans, student loans, all kinds of other stuff that we've just, okay, well, we can't afford it, but we'll get it, and we'll pay it over time. Again, I don't, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have nice things. You should, but there's a way to get them, and what happened with that particular mindset is you're trapped. Because once you're over there, you're trapped, and that's where anxiety and worry hang out. It's in this mammon trap. It's when you're on the wrong side of the 100%. And now you're living at, you, you think it's 120, but you're, you're just trapped in this place of debt. It's bondage. It's like being in slavery again. Listen to, to the scripture. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I like that language because we talk a lot about exodus here, right? God wants his people free from slavery and bondage, so he did it at the exodus, pulled them out. Jesus is our exodus. He pulls us out from slavery and bondage to sin. What does the enemy do in response? Immediately tries to get you right back into it again. And you're almost so comfortable with it that it can be appealing to get back. But you, you lose all your options when you're living out here. You, you can be stuck in a job that you hate and you can't do anything about it because you're totally trapped. And I, I, I said this last service, I mean this. You, you work, whatever you do for your work, if you hate it, that it's a terrible way to live. You know how much time you spend at work? And, and if you hate it, and I run into people, I hate what I do. Uh, listen, change it. How do you, first thing, you got to decide you're not going to be in debt because there's no freedom and then come up some sort of plan. Get a five year plan so that five years from now, you don't have to go, I still hate my job. Do something different. Do what training you need. Make shifts. Change because it's way too many hours of your life to be somewhere that you hate. Or if you can't do any of that, figure out how to like what you do. I mean, there's other options. But this is bondage. And that's what mammon wants you to do. He wants to put you in bondage. And you're, you're stuck. And culturally, you're stuck. And so, so what do we do? Well, you have to get out of debt. A lot of you aren't going to like this. You need to have a spending plan. You, you should have a spending plan. And notice now, I put up some blues in there. That's eight blocks of ten. Because you can only have ten at a time. That's real. All right, or you're in bondage. So you need to figure out 
how to deal with it. You need to get on a spending plan. Now, it's called spending plan now. You know what it was always called, but people rejected the term and wouldn't do it? Isn't that silly? Oh, budget, no. Budget is, budget is free. Everyone, I, listen, if you don't do anything else, get on a budget. It is, it is one of the best decisions you will ever make in your life. It's absolutely and totally freeing and biblical. Luke 14, 28 and 29. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation, aren't able to finish it. Everyone who sees it will ridicule you. At the beginning of the month, you figure out what's coming in. You should know that. You'll be able to dial that in close. And then you figure out where it's going to go. Best thing I ever heard said about a budget was by John Maxwell. Totally changed my world when the first time I ever saw it. A budget tells your money where to go instead of wondering it where it went. Is that not real? I was Because I was always going, where'd this money go? And I had no clue. One of my favorite stories, when many, many years ago, we were at Disney World when people still had to use cash for things. And I, I was looking all over the park, and everywhere I saw, I could see a parent peering into their wallet. And this was the question. Where did it all go? That's what life is like. If you don't have an idea, and you'll be surprised where it's going. So you, you, you need to get on a budget. And listen... Get, find a free app or something. Do it free because people want to pay. You, you can get worse than trap trying to figure it out. But they all start with you on a daily. You can all do this. Get a little notebook. Track your daily expenses. How, what are you spending every day? And after you've got that for a month, and you kind of know, well, what's your budget and what you can cut and all those things. But you, you have to get on a, a spending. Everybody should be on it. And even if you've got more money than you can spend, and, and praise God if you do, you still need one of these. You should, this, if you don't hear me saying, get on one of these, this will change the way that you live. It's freedom. It brings freedom. It gets you out of the trap. So you want to get out of debt. And let me go back and emphasize that. That's a decision you need to make that you're no longer going to keep just buying things on credit. And that's not cultural, what I'm telling you. But it's freeing. You're just going to not do it any longer. And you're going to start attacking whatever debt you have, other than your mortgage. Look, you got to have that. And there's, but most things, you're just going to. I'm not going to do it anymore. What you need to be doing, and you can only have ten of these blocks going. You start erasing some of that. You, you should. You need to save. We've lost the idea of saving, pretty much in many many ways. And you should be saving. And notice I highlighted a whole block. That's ten percent. You need to be saving ten percent minimum. But working towards it, uh, because it changes your world. Uh, and again, biblical. Proverbs twenty-one twenty. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish person devours all they have. It's foolish not to save. Doesn't mean you're foolish. It means the enemy has caught you up in a trap that's making you act foolishly if you don't save. And why have people stopped saving uh, in in our world today? Well, uh, because they use credit cards instead. Three things you should be absolutely saving for. One of them is emergencies. People don't save for emergencies. Well, I got a credit card for emergencies. Here's the problem. You need to decide you're not going to use them anymore, your credit cards, unless you can pay them off every month. There's, there's some, if you're very disciplined and you can pay your credit cards off, then that's fine because you can use them for points on things that make sense. But if you're not disciplined, just forget what I just said because <laughs> you'll get caught back in the trap. And emergencies will do that to you. You start to pay your debt, and what's going to happen? Boom, here's an emergency. What happens? I put it on my credit card. Where are you? I'm trapped again. I'm back in the debt. Don't think that mammon isn't able to keep throwing emergencies your way. And you just keep responding to them, and you can't... So you have to save. You've got to put a little fund together for emergencies. 
40% of Americans can't put together $400 in cash in an emergency. Why? Because they have credit cards, so they quit worrying about it. A majority can't put together $1,000 cash in an emergency. That's a lot of people. So, you know, what does an emergency count look like? It's every, it changes to everything, but what's an emergency? I, and sometimes they'll say things that I think are ridiculous. I can't even imagine personally saving that much money. But uh, two or three mortgage payments, maybe? And if that seems overwhelming, you do it a little bit at a time. But you start there so that every little thing doesn't toss you out of, out of completely out of balance. This one, a lot of you won't like. You've got to save for purchases. Because you're not going to use your credit cards anymore. What do you mean, save for purchases? I mean, if you see something and it's it's triggering all those buttons in you, ooh, I think that would be nice to have. Ooh, it's sparkly too. And yeah, I, ooh, I, and then and you go, but I can't afford it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to save for it. I'm not going to just swipe on it. I'm just going to save for it. I'm going to spend real money on whatever that is. And if you haven't ever noticed this, if you have to spend real money for something. Eight times out of ten, I bet you don't buy it. If you do this, and I'm, listen, I want you to have nice stuff. God wants you to have nice stuff. But he wants you to own your stuff and not have your stuff own you. That's the trap. That's the mammon trap. Your stuff owns you. God is like, no, no, as long as you own it, it's cool. So save up for purchase. Most of the time, if you decide to do that and you save up for it, even if you save the money for it, you won't buy it. Because you'll have forgotten about it, or it won't matter, or there's something different, or whatever. How many things... Personally, I, I don't even think I can imagine all of the things that I bought on a swipe that I don't even know where it was or if it was still working by the time I paid it off. And credit, did I say that credit card debt now, the average is 16%? 16%. If you have bad credit, it's 25%, up to 30%. You can't even imagine that. It's like should be illegal. And credit cards compound daily, not... Oh, man, they are just keeping you trapped forever. So you save for purchases because you've got to get out of debt. And you save for the future. That's the third thing. You should be thinking about rainy day stuff. Put a little away. Doesn't have to be crazy, but you put a little away. So you're doing these things. Last thing I want to talk about is not the least important thing. I think it's probably the most important thing. But if I don't talk about the other things first, people will shut me down when I start to talk about this. You, you need to be givers because God's a giver. God created you that way. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's part of your character and the family. It's so completely uncultural that people will just dismiss me right here. And I put it, it's a big block of 10. That's a 10% block. And it's first on purpose. If you get rid of that mess that causes all the anxiety and the worry on the end, that's the mammon trap, and you start living in, in sort of this agreement, what happens is you, you change the way that you live, and there's a freedom that comes from it. I love this verse. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you've decided. Remember I told you your heart was important? In your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? Because God loves cheerful givers. God wants cheerful. He wants you to be able to do it and enjoy it. Giving is absolutely the most fun you can have with your money. And, and you, can't, you can't really believe me in that if you, if you can't get to that spot. But it's, it's the stuff that makes a difference. I didn't grow up in church. I got saved when I was 25. Alice and I got saved in 1985. And this was the first church that we came to. Somebody else had started this church. It was a little storefront, very small church. And uh, we, we were working nights at the time. I used to run bars. 
And uh, so I always had money in my pocket from working at the bars. And I went to this church and had just gotten radically saved. And man, it was great. And, uh, you know, reading the Bible and Holy Spirit was real. And, and so anyway, I went to church. And um, first time I ever went to church, uh, I tossed 20 bucks in the plate. Next time I did the same. Third time I went, I did that, tossed 20 bucks in. And I had this little nudge inside. I'm learning about Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, they were taking up their offering, and they called it a tithe, an offering, a, a gift or whatever. And I, I asked somebody in the church, and I'm so glad I did this. I didn't ask the pastor or anybody else. I just asked somebody regular in church. I said, what are they talking about? Because, see, there was no guile in the answer, right? There was no, I didn't have to, oh, they were being sneaky or mean, or they just want my money. The, the person just said to me, a tithe, it's 10%. And, and you can read through the Bible. And you can find out that that seems to be kind of a, a giving starting place, 10%. And, and, and so some people may not understand my response, but I was a mess when I got saved. And I honestly, I sat there and thought 10%. And then I thought, man, the devil's been hitting me for a whole lot more money than that. <laughs> is like a deal. That person could have said, oh, it's all... And I would have gone, 10%, I'm in. And, and so that was 1985. We started then this church. We, that was the first, the first thing we started to do. Every, we get whatever we get, 10% comes in, and that's how we live. I'd like to say I had it all figured out then. It didn't. It took 25, another 22 years for me to get to the rest of it. The, the economy had to go south in 2007 for me to tell you what I'm telling you today, to get on a budget and to get out of debt and do those things. Ah, but man, it's, life is so much better on this side of it. And so cheerfully give. That, that's what he calls us to. So this is how you break free from the mammon trap. Understand it's a, a force, a power that's moved people into this bad thing. You make a choice to get out of debt. Just, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm not going to use my credit cards anymore. That's going to be my choice. I'm going to get on a spending. That, I get that. I'm going to get on a budget. I'm going to actually do that. Sit down, make it happen. Decide you want to do it. Start saving and start giving. Can you do it all at once? Well, you can't live at 120%. People were, listen, I, I, yeah, here's what I can tell you. Figure out and go after some of it. You, everybody can decide I'm not going to use credit cards anymore. You can make that decision today. That should be a no-brainer if that's a problem. And you can all get on a budget. Can you all save 10 Maybe not. But maybe, so maybe you save 1% while you're going after your debt or 2%. But you start somewhere. Can, every, can all of you give 10%? Maybe not cheerfully. <laughs> want groups of people mad at me for saying it. Start somewhere. Figure out that should be your heart, but I'm not there now. Give a percent. Give two percent. Give something. Make it a pattern working up to it because life gets better there. So you just decide and you move into it and it won't happen overnight. I think it's 47. I decide we got to change this. I think it probably took five or six years to get it worked out. Just, okay, not going to go in debt anymore and just going to keep doing these things. And, and I'd already had the giving thing down, so I was okay. But the rest of it came along. Am I almost done? Last slide. I threw this in there. If you, if you get too comfortable at that 80% level, even if you're doing the 20 that you should, right? If you're saving, you're giving. I'm on this 80. Well, the problem is if you, if you stretched and you're always at that 80 fully, anything that happens will toss you off the edge and you'll have to stop doing something that's going to cause you to find life. Squeeze it back a little. Got to get back to about 75. People, well, I can't do that. Okay, well, you either spend less or you make more. But you have to figure out because you need that money. So that, um, that extra five, you could give it to something if it comes up or you could save it a little more or when your electric bill does what it just did last month. Hello. 
And they, they started, I thought it was so funny. I must have got 20 texts from that company saying, what's about to happen is you're going to get a bill. <laughs> and you're going to be really mad at us. And there's nothing we can do. Enjoy. <laughs> Listen, your heavenly papa doesn't want you stressed out and anxious. He just doesn't. It's not his heart. He wants you at peace. He wants you having full and abundant life. We have an enemy who doesn't want that. And culturally, he's got us all messed up. And so you have to go, okay, if that's real, I'm going to start. I'm going to move towards it so you can experience life. That's my heart for you. That's all. Pray through this stuff and and let God lead you. But make the decisions that you can and then follow them through. Uh, And I think you'll find that there's life there. Okay, ministry team. Those of you here, my head over the wall. Next week, we're going we're gonna to start deep diving into this whole battle and how it starts. I think you're, you're going to like it. So I'm excited to do it uh, and be praying for me in that process. Uh, people on the way over there are here to pray for you. Listen, none of this makes any sense without Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it starts there. It has to start there. Because when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit comes and resurrection power, the ability, the fruit, everything, everything to make changes is in you then. And so if you don't know Jesus, just ask him, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Best decision you will ever make. And that changes everything. I want to encourage you to do that. Amen. Let's just pray together before we close, shall we? Papa, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that the message would land on us in a way that we can receive it. Father, and that we would not feel shame or guilt, Father, but we would be able to move forward in freedom and with a plan. Father, I pray that as couples go home and talk about this, you would be in their midst, Lord, and there wouldn't, there wouldn't be any striving or anger, but just peace. Father, just peace over this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Listen, church, thanks, like we tell you every week, for your amazing generosity. What a joy it is to partner with you and your faithfulness to these things that we've talked about today. So bless you for that. I don't think I mentioned, we did a baptism yesterday morning. Seven people got baptized yesterday. Thank you, church. Three or four were kids. Yeah, it was great. Listen, that's huge. We're so blessed that there are, I'm not even going to say that. We're just blessed that that's happening here and we get to experience that. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. Praise God for all of that. And let's sing doxology and we will get you out of here. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here today. Prayers over there. We're going to get these doors open for you so you can head out this way today. Get out there. Have a good time. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be blessed. We'll see you all very, very soon. Good job, Stevie. Good job.
Thanks for watching, you guys. We love you. Hope you have a great weekend. That next series, I think, I'm really looking forward to it, the battle. And, and I think we might open up some things in the scripture that maybe you haven't seen before. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. But where are you going tomorrow, Stevie, with your dad and brother? The Marlins. The Marlins game. Look at his hat. Bye, everybody. <laughs>